are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The scripture that turned me around was the one that was the closing one of our scripture reading a while ago. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. Let me share with you the the, the thinking of my own heart as we talked this morning about it. All of us know the story of Job. He was a a good man. The Lord bragged on him one time to the devil and said, If you considered my servant Job, nobody like him in all the world. And Job said, sure, anybody would live right if they, if they had all that Job has. The devil said, anybody would live right if all that Job has. Why, said the devil to the Lord, Job has 700 sheep, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 uh, female donkeys, 500 yoke of oxen. He has 10 children. They're all healthy. He's the rich, one of the richest men in the whole world. Who wouldn't serve you? Let me go down and take, take his possessions. You'll find out what kind of Christian he is. And the Lord said, okay, just don't touch his body and take his possessions. You recall one, one day Job, a uh, servant came to Job and said, Job, said uh, the Sabaeans came and took all of your oxen and donkeys. They're all gone. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she donkeys. They're all gone. And uh, soon another servant came and said, Job, said, uh, uh, a fire came and destroyed all of your 7,000 sheep. Soon another servant came and said, The Chaldeans came and took your 3,000 camels. Now bear in mind, can you imagine how much 7,000 sheep would be worth? And 3,000 camels? And 500 yoke of oxen? And that, that, that 500 yoke of oxen today would be like owning 500 new John Deere tractors. And then some. And also owning the factory for making John Deere factories, and you got five hundred yoke of oxen. Now, what uh, uh, what did Job do? Well, uh, somebody else came and said, uh, Job said a tornado came. Said your children were having a family reunion, all got together and were having a party, and a tornado came, a great wind came, and every child you have is killed. And then that isn't all. The devil finally persuaded God to allow him to come and afflict Job's body. The Bible says that Job had boils all over his body. From the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, every spot on Job had a running boil. He had what we call the disease of elephantiasis. It was a form of leprosy that caused his entire body to be covered with boils and running corruption all over his body. That isn't all. Job went out because he was in such pain he went out to the garbage dump of the city, out the edge of town, and in the coals and ashes of the garbage dump, he sat down, he got a piece of metal, and uh, he scraped the corruption, the, 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 the uh, corruption off the sores. And, you, you know, you've, you've uh, hurt so bad that you, it, it, that you scratch it, 
it, it'll, it'll hurt, but it'll, it'll, it'll make it feel better. And Job got this piece of metal and, and scraped his body all over his body because he was in such pain and such suffering and corruption and so forth. That isn't all. His wife came, looked at him, and said to herself, what a pitiful-looking wretch he is. She said, your camels are gone, your oxen are gone, your sheep are gone, your donkeys are gone, your wealth is gone, your health is gone. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? And there sits Job in the ash heap. But that isn't all. Job had three friends, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. These three friends heard that Job was sick, and they came to see him. They turned their back on him, and I'll go into that in a few minutes. But something happened. Job stood the test. And later, God gave him twice what he had before. Instead of 7,000 uh, sheep, God gave Job 14,000 sheep. Instead of 3,000 camels, God gave Job 6,000 camels. Young folks, instead of 500 yoke of oxen, God gave Job 1,000 yoke of oxen. Instead of 500 she donkeys, God gave Job 1,000 she donkeys. And, and, and God gave Job 10 more children. Now you've heard me say this. I used to wonder about that. Why did God give Job twice as many sheep and twice as many camels and twice as many oxen and twice as many donkeys and not twice as many kids? And then one day it hit me. Well, I know why. When a donkey dies, it's dead. When the sheep dies, it's dead. When an oxen die, an ox dies, it's dead. When a camel dies, it's dead. When a child dies, he's not dead. Job did have twice as many children. He had ten on earth. And he had ten in heaven. There's something here that always delights me, too. I'm so glad for Mrs. Job. <laughs> she said, What's the curse God and die? And, Job, and God said, That'll take care of you, Owen. I'll see to it you're pregnant for ten years. <laughs> Ladies, don't ever tell your husband to curse God and die. <laughs> And so for ten years, she's expected. I mean, she'd have a baby, and after that was was, was born, she'd have a, get get pregnant again, and then another baby. Uh, actually, much like Cal Sleater's family. <laughs> and uh, the Lord has a way of paying you back, doesn't He? So, <clears throat> Job, at the end of the end of the book, Job's in good shape. His wife's in horrible shape, but he's in good shape. He has ten healthy children here and ten in heaven. He has twice as many camels and twice as many sheep and twice as many oxen and twice as many donkeys as he ever had before. And Job ends with the usual story that we used to end. He lived happily ever afterwards. Now what was it? What was it that made Job the object of God's blessing. What was it that delivered Job's captivity? What was the thing that caused God to say, Job, you've had enough. You will not have suffering anymore. You'll be well. You'll have a healthy family. You'll have uh, more than you ever had before. What was the turning point? What was the pivotal thing 
that caused Job to have it so good? Well, could it have been, at first thought, I mean, I used to think this, at first thought, I thought it was in Job 1.21, where uh, Job said, well, while he was in the ash heap and while he was suffering as no one ever suffered, Job said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Maybe that's what it was. No, that's not the thing. That's a wonderful spirit, wonderful attitude. In fact, it said in all these things, Job did not sin with his mouth. It says that, for example, in chapter 2 and verse 10. All this, Job did not sin with his lips. Was that it? Isn't it wonderful, Isn't it wonderful to see somebody that suffers and doesn't complain? There's a certain lady I'm thinking about her right now. God bless her. She's a good lady. But don't ever ask her how she feels. <laughs> I'm thinking about, I made a mistake one day. I was in a shopping center and I saw her. How are you doing? That shocked the day. The rest of the day. I mean, she started, and you never heard such a tale in your life. Isn't it wonderful to see somebody who suffers and does it sweetly? I think of the people in this church, so many of them, who suffer so sweetly. And uh, Job uh, never complained. He said, uh, um, he said, uh, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that what caused the Lord to give Job twice as much? No. Is that what caused the Lord to give Job his health back? No. Is that what caused God to favor Job again? No, that isn't the pivot. Well, then was it the time in chapter 13, verse 15, when Job said, in the awful, awful pain of leprosy, Elephantias, and his wife forsaking him, and his friends forsaking him, and his uh, money gone, all of his health and wealth gone, Job said, oh, he slay me! Yes, well, I trust him. Well, that's a wonderful way to put it, isn't it? But uh, that didn't, the Lord didn't change. Job still suffered after he said that. Now, to me, I think I'd have said, Job, if you got that kind of spirit, I'm going to give you a kid, ten kids, and all your wealth back and more. But the Lord didn't, didn't decide that. Well, then was it when Job said in the great statement in Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day on the earth. Is that what turned the Lord toward Job? Is that the thing when Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, I will not turn my back on God. Is that what it was? No. No, and that's interesting to me. We've taught all of our lives that Job stood the test, and because he stood the test, God gave him twice as much as what he had before. No, that wasn't it. It was not because he did not sin. It was not because he did not complain. It was not because he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It was not because he suffered graciously. And then I found out, and I'm so glad, that great scripture, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when? When what? When he did, when he made a great statement, I always slay me a lot, trust him? No. The Lord turned again the captivity of Job when? When Job said, I know that my evil liveth? No. The Lord turned again the captivity of Job when? When Job did not complain? No. What was the thing that Cause God to bless you. Now listen to me. Everybody in this house this morning wants God's blessings on your life. Everybody. A man said last night, said, well, how is it wrong to pray selfishly? Is it wrong for me to ask God to give me something? Of course it's not. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart, Psalm 37, 4 says. Um, now, every one of us wants the blessings of God upon our lives. We, we want God's blessings. 
Now, how did Job get these blessings? The Lord turned Job's captivity. When? When? He prayed for his friends. Well, what's so unusual about that? You say, I pray for my friends. Uh, the word friend here doesn't mean they were friends to him. It means he was a friend to them. The only simple truth is get the picture. Here's Job. Look at him. He's in the ash heap. Look at his body, running sores. Just reach out and touch it. No, don't touch his body. But Job has to cry, unclean, unclean. This is the richest man in town. This is the man between everybody else. This is the fellow whom parents used to say, about whom parents used to say to little children, that's the kind of fellow I want you to be. A good man, a generous man. The Bible says that Job was a benevolent kind of a man. He gave to the poor. He was no rich skin flint or tight What Job was liberal. He was the finest man on the face. He was the greatest Christian on the face of the earth. Look at him. Sheep gone, camels gone, oxen gone, donkeys gone, health gone, wealth gone, children dead. Ten children died at one time. Uh, children gone, wife gone. But he has three friends. Thank God for friends. And so the friends come to see him. And they, they, the Bible says when they saw him, they did not even know him. Oh, they knew it was Job, but they couldn't recognize him. They could not even tell it was Job. The Bible says they were so horrified, they tore their own clothing and sprinkled ashes on their bodies. They were in the ash heap. They were in the city dump. They, 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 this picture this way. Is that Job? I can't believe it. They tore their clothes got the handful of ashes and sprinkled ashes over their bodies, and the Bible says they could not even speak for seven days. They sat there beside him in the ash heap seven days and didn't even speak. And finally, Eliphaz begins to speak. Now his speech is recorded in many verses and several chapters, and Job will not turn to it. I'm going to give you a summary. Now I'm going to have a little dialogue here. Job, I'm your old friend Eliphaz. Job, I'll tell you something. You are in your trouble because you have never had a deeper experience with God. I have had it. You have not even talked in tongues. You have not even shouted. I have walked with God. In fact, I have walked with God so much that I had such this that my hair stood up on end. That's one problem that I would never have. My hair stood on end. And what did Job say? Job, in so many words, said, Leave me alone. You don't even care. You shouldn't judge me. I get that fighting back. That sort of sounds like me and you, doesn't it? Huh? Why, he said, Joe, you wouldn't be here if you'd had a good experience. God's punishing you because you haven't had one of these electrifying experiences like I've had. And Job said, leave me alone. You shouldn't judge me. What in the world are you criticizing me for? That's exactly Job's attitude, and that should be nobody's attitude ever. Well, Bildad comes up. And Bildad says, Job, I've, I've got the answer. I'm your friend now, but i got the answer. You're a hypocrite. You wouldn't be there if you weren't such a hypocrite. 
And what was Job's answer? Job said, you make me bitter. I wish I could die with friends like you. Job's third friend comes up, and I summarize what he said. He said, Job, you just don't know God like I do, and that's your trouble. And Job said, I'm as good as you are. In fact, you'll find it over, over, over again. Job said, I'm as good as you are. I'm as good as you are. Now, follow me again. Here's Job. Here comes his friends. <laughs> good friends, aren't they? Yeah. Like folks tell him to go to the hospital and says, what do you have? Well, I hurt right over here. Right where my grandma did the last day? Yeah, that's where I hurt. And that's the kind of friends Job had. And so one said, Job, if you had an experience like I have, uh, you, you, you wouldn't be there. Job said, that makes me bitter. And the other said, Job, you must be a hypocrite. And Job said, I want to die. And the other said, now you don't know God like I do. And Job said, I'm as good as you are. In fact, Job said these statements. He said, you are miserable comforters. I could heap up words against you. You make me weary. You put these wrinkles in my face. I'm tired of listening to you. That was Job's. Those were Job's words, some of them, to his so-called friends. Now listen to me. The friends have left, and the Lord comes to Job, and Job has an experience. He sees the Lord. And when Job saw the Lord, now listen, he says, when I saw the Lord, I abhorred myself. No critical person walks with God. No way. No way. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, when I saw the Lord high and holy lifted up, I said, woe is me, for I have seen the Lord. When you see the Lord, you don't see the sins of your brother, you see the sins of yourself. When you see the Lord, you don't see your brother's weaknesses, you see your own weaknesses. People who are critical, I mean me, when I criticize, when you criticize, when you criticize, when any of us criticizes, we are not seeing God. When we see God, we don't see our brother's weaknesses, we see our own weaknesses. And so, Job saw the Lord, then he said, I am poor myself. They had pitilessly heaped coals of fire on him. They had stung him in the tenderest places. And yet the Bible says, after he had seen the Lord, after he had seen himself, Job said, Dear God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked back to Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar. God bless them. They're good men. And Lord, don't let me be retaliatory again. Don't let me fight back. Lord, I pray for my friends. And the Lord said, Hey, Gabriel, Michael, I've got a job for you. Job just did the thing that I've been waiting for him to do. He prayed for his friends. And God dispatched angels to give Job seven, twice as many donkeys, twice as many sheep, twice as many camels, twice as many yoke of oxen, ten healthy children when Job prayed for his friend. Now listen to me. I kept looking. It dawned on me 
about Abraham? Abraham was called the what? Tell me, what was Abraham called? Abraham was called three times in the Bible the what? Friend of God. Say it, the friend of God. Now, I got to wondering, when was Abraham called a friend of God? What was it that made Abraham called a friend of God? So I checked the chronological order as to when God decided to call Abraham his friend. You know when God decided to call Abraham his friend? Abraham had a nephew, his name was Lot. Lot's servants and, and uh, Abraham's servants couldn't get along with each other because Abraham and Lot, Abraham owned all the land. Lot was his nephew, but he was like a son to him, was an adopted son, and was an heir of Abraham. So Abraham's servants and Lot's servants couldn't get along, and Abraham said, Let there be no strife between thy herdmen and my herdmen. Let's don't have strife. Let's don't fuss. Let's don't fuss with each other. And Abraham said, Lot, you take whatever you want, and I'll take that which is left. In other words, Abraham wouldn't fight with Lot. Abraham wouldn't fight back to Lot. And when Abraham would not fight back, then God said, Abraham, my friend. Now, Abraham did a lot of things. But the thing that made Abraham God's friend was when he would not fight back. He prayed for his friend. Now, listen to me. There is no sin that destroys as many churches, ruins as many lives, breaks as many hearts, scars as many people as the sin of not being right with each other. My Bible says we cannot be right with God and be wrong with each other. No way, no way, no way. There is not one way in this world you can harbor bitterness in your heart toward any human. But you say, preacher, you don't understand what he did. He didn't come to you while you were in the garbage dump of the city and turn his back on you. He didn't come to you after this. Can you imagine, you know, we, 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 we hate people while they live, while they're, while they're happy. But when folks die, we get sort of, you know, we criticize her all over the country that she died and came by and wiped her out. Eisen said she was a good woman. We're built that way. Can you imagine Abraham coming back from a funeral service where he buried all ten of his children? Brother John, let's suppose that, 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 that you had ten children. <laughs> Elaine, that's not a good supposition, is it? Uh, let's suppose you had ten children. And so uh, it's all of them died one time. And so we have ten cats just lined up across here. We have a funeral service. And you walk... That, walk by and look at the children. Your heart is broken, and you, don't, you, you just don't think life is worth living. And you don't know what to do. The whole world is all of a sudden swept out from under you. And you walk up this aisle here after you see, after leaving the casket, and Brother Fist says, "Hey, hey, John, I'll tell you something. <laughs> if you'd had a deeper experience like I had, this wouldn't have happened." And Brother Boardway says, "Yeah, <laughs> John, that's true." And said, "If, if you're as good a Christian as I am, it wouldn't have happened either." Now listen to me. That's what happened to Lot, our Job. And yet the Bible says that Job prayed for his friends, and when God, Job prayed for his friends, then God turned his captivity. When Abraham, when Abraham would not retaliate, when Abraham would not fight back, when Abraham 
got the bitterness out of his heart, and Abraham was right with everybody in the whole world. God said, he's my friend. He's my friend. I kept on checking. I found that the Bible says <clears throat> that David was a man after God's own heart. And I decided to find when God said that. I decided to find out what David did that caused God to say, David's a man after my own heart. Now, in in Second First uh, Samuel 13, when Samuel was looking for a king, it says he sought for a man who was after God's own heart. He didn't have David then. But when God said, David's a man after my own heart, what, when was it? When was it? I'll tell you what it was. Was it after he killed Goliath? No. Was it after he took his hands and slew a lion? No. Was it after he protected his sheep for the slaying of a bear? No. Was it after he fought some great battle and won it? No. David was such a fine leader. Saul, the king, became jealous. And Saul said, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. And David ran from Saul. Why? Because he couldn't kill Saul? Of course not. David could have killed Saul. Saul, he killed Goliath, the biggest giant in the whole world. He dead sure could have taken care of Saul. Well, why did David run? David didn't want to fight back. Do you think, <clears throat> do you think that I walked up and I said, Coach Price, I got a little score set up with you. He falls down. You know, and then Dr. Billings comes up and says, I'll get you back, preacher. You think I want to run? Huh? If I can, if I can take care of old Coach Price, I can make sure take care of Muscle Billings here. I'll tell you for sure. Well, why did David run? David ran because he didn't want to fight the king. David ran because he was not, he was not a, the kind of fellow who fought back. David could have killed Saul. In fact, David found Saul asleep one night, one morning, after Saul had been asleep outside the cave. David came up and he had his sword in his hand, and he could have, could have pierced Saul's heart with a sword and killed him. But David wouldn't. And as soon as David refused to fight back with Saul, God said, he's a man after my own heart. You'd like to be after God's own heart, wouldn't you? Yeah, and have bitterness in yours. You'd like to be a man after God's own heart, wouldn't you? Yeah, and got gossip on the telephone all week. You'd like to be a man after God's own heart, wouldn't you? Yeah, and fight back and not get along and have enemies. You'd like to be a man after God's own heart. There is no way, there is no way, there is no way, there is no way in this world. There is no way in the world. Anybody, anybody, anybody can be right with God and be wrong with God's creatures. No way. No way. It is eating up more people. It has cost more power in the pulpit than any other ten things I know. I'm talking about jealousy. I'm talking about criticism. I'm talking about envy. I'm talking about covetousness. I'm talking about backbiting. I'm talking about retaliation. I'm talking about vengeance. I'm talking about unkind thoughts. I'm talking about uh, gossip. I'm talking about bitterness. I'm talking about uh, uh, retaliation in your heart. I'm talking about not being right with your fellow man. I kept on looking. I found the Bible that Jacob's name was changed one time. 
The word Jacob means trickster, supplanter, heel grabber. Bad name. But God changed Jacob's changed Jacob's name one day to Israel, which means a prince. Now what made Jacob a prince? When was it? The Lord turned Job's captivity when he paid for his friends. The Lord called David a man after his own heart when he got right with his with 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 Saul. The Lord called Abraham a friend of God when he got right with Lot. Now what called when was it that Jacob's name was changed to Israel? I'll tell you when. Jacob had stolen his brother's birthright. Jacob had stolen his brother's blessing. You recall the story. His mother, Rebekah, said, Jacob, you better leave. You go, you go down to our home country, and you stay down there because Esau is going to kill you. Jacob, sta listen, Jacob stayed down there over 20 years. Now listen. He had a bitter heart toward his brother all that time. His name was Jacob, trickster, supplanter, heel driver, deceiver. And Jacob one day said, I'm going to make it right with Esau. And Jacob went to the, 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 the Jabbok River, River Jabbok. On the other side of that river, he prayed all night long and he said, Dear God, I'm going to make it right with my brother. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to make it right with my brother. And the angel of God began to leave, and Jacob said, You're not going to leave me. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to make it right with Esau. And when Jacob, in his own heart, got right with Esau, God said, Jacob, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you Prince. Now, you listen for a minute. Listen. I don't care how good a preacher some of you young men become. You're not going with a dime for God unless you get away this critical nature and critical tongue and gossiping tongue and bitter spirit out of your heart. I don't care how good a Sunday school teacher you are or how good a soloist or how good a duet or how good a trio or how good a choir number or how good a, a deacon or how good a uh, usher or how good a Sunday school superintendent or how good a preacher or how good a college professor or how good uh, a, a, a so-called Christian you are. You cannot be right with God and be wrong with anybody in the whole world. You can't do it. I'm putting my finger right now on the most important thing in your life. If I preach it against liquor right now, we'd have amens all over the house. But I'm putting my finger right now on the reason why most of us do not get God's blessings on our lives. These little tiddling criticisms. These little, I'll get back at him. She mistreated me. I'll let her have what she ought to have. I don't like her at all. Listen, why don't you just decide to say, never in your life again? I don't like him. That's heathen talk. Pagan. Heathen. Worldly. And the truth is, you don't do one single thing bad to him. But you wreck your chances of God's blessings. As long as Job said, I want to tell you all. He heard himself. 
and you only hurt yourself when you're wrong with anybody in the whole world. I decided not to live that way. Folks all over the country hate me. Folks all over this town hate me. I never live, I never live one day without several expressions of hatred from somebody. Never. Never. I do not know the last day I live without getting hate mail, without getting slandered, or even somebody coming to me and saying, I like you in spite of the fact that so-and-so thinks you're a devil. I know what I'm talking about, folks, and I'm a happy person. I enjoy life. But I could be this morning, if I would let myself, I could be eaten, literally eaten up. But I want the blessings of God upon me, and I want to be God's friend, and I'd like to be a man after God's own heart, and I'd like to be a friend with God and I want God to bless me and do you know what strange thing about it and I'll close with this Brother Fisk I came to this church and we had trouble I doubt if there's any way in the world we could have avoided the trouble but after the trouble was over we couldn't get unstuck We'd stay around 7 and 7.10 and 7.25 and 7.50 and 7.25 and 7.10 and 7.35. You know, for two years, we couldn't get unstuck. I can almost, now listen, not close, I can almost date to the day when the blessings of God started falling on this church. It was almost, if not to the day, I found the scripture and I said I am not anymore going to tell you and did you know I haven't used that brick and that rope in these 13 years now several times at Deacon's meeting I've thought about going to get it but I've not used it let me ask you a question this morning Do you have anything against anybody? Huh? Are you right with everybody in the whole world? I don't mean you say, I'll pray for my enemies, I'll pray you'll drop dead. I don't mean that. I'll pray you'll get right. No, that's not, that's not this kind of praying. I'll pray God will save him. That's not this kind of praying. I pray God will forgive him and restore him. That's not this kind of praying. This kind of praying is the kind of praying that hates yourself and not your enemy. Job said, I adore myself. Lord, I hate myself. For they're better men than I am. God bless Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar. God bless them. And hit, Lord, I hate myself. Help me. And the Lord said, Job, you just bingo. You just did the thing. It's going to cause me to turn your captivity. How about you? How about you fellas on the platform? Anything in your hearts born against anybody?
How about you folks in the choir? Anything against anybody this morning? Is it right between you and everybody? Anything in your heart? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.